Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to our 11 o'clock service on this Christ the King Sunday, the climax, the end of the Christian year. Advent is next week. What a glorious time to be together in worship. Uh, welcome those of you in the room, many more we know who are joining us online. Uh, it's good to worship God together uh, in this way. Some of you are visiting with us. We're just super honored that you have come. And we hope you come again. We hope you leave us contact information. Love to interact with you, talk to you, listen to you, pray for you, whatever uh, might be your interest this week. That would be a great thing. My name is James Howell, uh, and I am up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Jessica Dason. Good morning. It is good to be together. I want to make sure you take note of the insert in your bulletin. It has everything you need to know about Advent. Um, there's lots of ways to connect and serve in our community, whether it's joining one of our Advent small groups or shopping the Merry Market or buying a Christmas tree from our youth group to our Christmas concert. The list goes on and on and on. So make sure you read this and put things on your calendar so you can join us. It is good to be together. Let us prepare our hearts for worship. Thank you. 
Family of God, now let us join our voices together as we profess our faith through the Apostles' Creed. It can be found on page 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It is our great uh, privilege and joy to celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism this morning. Uh, Hillary and Hogan Fulgham bring their son, Cruz Sullivan, for the sacrament today. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and are given new birth through water and the spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. Friends, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to renounce evil and repent of your sin? If so, say we do. Do you confess Christ as your savior, put your trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord? If so, say we do. And will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example, they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves, profess their faith openly and lead a Christian life? If so, say we will. And will you, members of Myers Park United Methodist Church, include this family now before you in your care? Will you proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ? Will you surround this family with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their service to others? And will you pray for them that they may be true disciples who will walk in the way that leads to life? If so, say we will. We will. Friends, let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. When you saw your people as captives in Egypt, you delivered them through the sea. Their children you brought into the promised land through the Jordan. In the fullness of time, you sent your son Jesus. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. 
And he calls on his disciples to share on the baptism of his death and resurrection. Pour out your Holy Spirit now to bless this gift of water in him who receives it, to wash away his sin and clothe him in righteousness throughout his life, that dying and being raised with Christ he may share in your final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you in the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Therefore, let your light so shine before others that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Child of God, as you grow in age, may you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We rejoice to welcome you to the family of God. There's no other beautiful example of just how deep and rich God's mercy and grace is in our lives. So it is with that knowledge we can come together to confess our sins before God and before one another. So please join me in the prayer of confession as printed in your bulletin. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading is Matthew chapter 25, beginning with the 31st verse. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all of the angels with him, then he will sit in his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all of the nations, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right hand 
and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to see me. Then the righteous answer, When, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed thee, or thirsty and give thee drink? And when did we see thee a stranger and welcome thee, or naked and clothe thee? And when do we see thee sick in prison and visit you? And the king answered, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brethren, of these, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. But Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and we did not minister to thee? Then he will answer to them, Truly I say to you, as you did not to one of the least of my brethren, you did not to me. And they will go into eternal punishment, but the righteousness will go into eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Vicki, thank you for this uh, reading. Uh, Christ the King. Cynics would say, uh, if God's ruling, he's not ruling very well. The world's a mess. We know there's a gap between the world and how God would have it to be. There's a gap within each one of us between how we are and how God would have us uh, to be. The shape of this kingship, it's got to be something upside down, otherworldly. I think we sang it in the hymn those wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. Like when Christ was about to go and absorb those wounds during Holy Week, when his kingship took place, uh, on Tuesday of that week, Jesus came into the city uh, and he climbed the steps up to the temple and walked among the colonnades and he taught all day long. It, it's like he knew time was short and I think he thought, I have a few things I would like to say. It's not a few things he wanted to say. It's actually quite a lot that he had to say. It's his last teaching session. It's his last sermon. We uh, might prefer it if Jesus' last words to us would have been, you're all good, you're all good, everything's fine, don't worry, be happy, all good, you got it. Instead, Jesus had some really challenging things uh, to say. He had some hard words, some um, life-giving words for us. Uh, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus uh, goes on for 212 verses. Like He had quite a lot to say. 212 verses. And then he ends all of that, his last sermon ever, by talking about judgment. You know, he will come and he will separate the sheep from the goats. There will be a great judgment. Uh, one of the things to know about that judgment, the most important thing is who does that judging? It says the Son of Man will judge. Uh, Jesus doesn't say, you guys need to judge. 
and separate the sheep from the goats. We don't know how to do it. We would be no good at it, right? It is God's to bring it about, right? It's no flattery anyway. Like, do you want to be a sheep or a goat? I mean, they're both, you know, it can be kind of dumb animals. Uh, they can be smelly animals. I don't know which I would really rather be. For now, it's up to us simply to be together. I told some of you before, I was on sabbatical about eight years ago, and my buddy and I were uh, on the northern coast of Scotland, and we popped in a pub for dinner, and the guy to my right kept chatting me up, and um, finally I said, what do, you, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a shepherd. He just told a pastor that he's a shepherd. I said, man, I want to know about that. So we talked about shepherding for a while, and a question that I asked him, I said, why is it that you don't just have a flock of sheep or a flock of goats. It's always sheep and goats, goats and sheep. Why is it always that way? He kind of looked up and he said, I don't know, I find they just do better together. And for me, that's a parable of church life. Like, we may find reasons to be different or to disagree, but we're better together. Ours is not to pass the judgment or to separate. What do we do together? I love that Jesus makes it so simple. Jesus here, he doesn't think you have to have complex, in-depth theology to be pleasing to God. It's so doable. It's just like you just be kind to people that are hurting. You be kind to people that are hurting. Sometimes people come in my office and uh, they want to show me a Bible verse or maybe they have five or six Bible verses. Now, I do not mind people doing this. I can assure you I've seen the verses before, but it's still fun to sit down and talk about Bible verses with the people of God. But if Bible verses matter, if we wanted to have a count, the number of verses that say something about caring for the poor, what I've been talking about lately, it's not even 212. It's 212, I don't know, quadrupled, quintupled, sextupled. I don't have the right verb for it. More than a thousand passages all over the Bible make it very clear what I've been saying to you the last couple of weeks. In the Bible, the poor are never vilified. In the Bible, the poor are never blamed. In the Bible, everywhere, the poor are to be loved. They are to be cared for. They are to be walked with. We're not supposed to speak unkindly of them, even in our hearts. I know what happens. I mean, you don't get it done. You get busy. You get distracted. You're not sure how to do it. <laughs> and the, the various sins that beset us, you have sins. It's not so much commission. It's sins of omission. We just don't get around to doing some of what we could do. There are sin, there's a sin of pity. God does not want us to pity. Uh, do you want to be pitied? I don't want any pity. It's a sin of pity. It's the sin of blame. There's the sin of, I uh, thought about this this week, the sin of the measly effort, right? Oh, yeah, James. Well, I mean, Jesus said we're supposed to help the poor. I was at a traffic light the other day. There was a guy at the corner. I rolled the window down and gave him a dollar. Done. It's the sin of the measly effort, the measly effort. What's interesting here, though, is Jesus isn't just saying go out and do good. Jesus seems to be saying your salvation depends on this. I want to ponder that with you a minute. I'll confess to you, and you may know this if you've been listening to me preach for a long time, sometimes I am under-attentive to the whole business of salvation. 
I don't know why that is. I think I grew up, when I went to church growing up, we didn't go a lot, but when we went, we went to with my grandparents. I was with them a lot, went to their church, and their pastor, Reverend Kaiser, I'll never forget him, he would preach these hellfire damnation sermons that would scare the living daylights out of me. And then he would issue an altar call. Anyone here who has not accepted Christ, please come forward during the singing of 78 stanzas of Just As I Am. And no one would come. And after a few Sundays, I kind of craned my neck around, and I wanted to say to this pastor, the 27 people in Oakboro, North Carolina, you were preaching to, they've already done this. No one's coming. I think if we focus on, I think this is right, on healing our past lives of finding strength for today, holiness for today, hope for tomorrow, doing the task that God has set us about, heaven will kind of take care of itself. The way it works is we might say this passage is troubling because it appears in this passage that we're saved by our good works. And you know that you can't have a mountain of works that are good enough to save you. We're saved by faith. The way I like to think about it, it's not faith or works, but it's like this. Are you sticking close to Jesus? Uh, I've mentioned before, uh, when I take groups abroad, I always, um, I'm at the front. I'm always craning my neck to be sure everybody's with me. Sometimes people wander off. You've got to watch them all the time. Uh, they're like sheep. They just, they're gone. And uh, so I watch your people. And I remember Robert Lutz. Um, he's gone on to glory. Robert traveled with me uh, several times. And the first few times I thought, I, I can't find Robert. Truth is, I didn't need to look for Robert because I would look for Robert and I would look for Robert. And he would actually be right here, like attached to my back. He was not straying an inch from me. There was nothing I was going to do that he was going to miss. And I think that's an image of what it means to have faith in Jesus, to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, to serve Jesus. You just stick really close to him. And if you stick that close to Jesus, then the things that Jesus did, what did Jesus do? He touched the untouchables. You're going to be in contact with them too. Jesus fed the hungry. Jesus released the captives. If you're right there with them, you, you, of course, will quite naturally do all of those same things. You'll do all of those same things. There is a judgment, and uh, I like the idea of the theologian Gerhard Lofink, who says that the way judgment will work is that when you die, uh, your entire life, everything that's ever happened will become very clear to you. So you'll see your entire life with total clarity. You'll see the things that you knew were dumb things. You'll see the things that were huge mistakes that you knew you should never have made. You will also see things that you did not know they were dumb things at the time. You probably thought that they were cool things, but they actually were dumb things. You do not know some of the times that you have hurt somebody else. You didn't mean to hurt anyone else. You're a kind person. Who knew that you were hurting someone else? And then he says the people that you didn't help that you didn't reach out to, they'll be standing there too. And Lofink says, this won't be so that God can make you feel like a schmuck. Uh, Lofink says that God does this so that then and only then will you understand the depth of God's mercy. Here's the reality of your life. And God says, welcome. It's all mercy. 
And then when we understand that mercy, we want to stick as close as possible. Turns out that uh, sheep, they're not very bright. Uh, goats aren't either. But they, they can be useful. They can be useful, these sheep. I read a book. A friend of mine for uh, my birthday gave me a biography of Edith Wilson. Uh, you know, Woodrow Wilson became president. His wife died while he was in the White House. He fell in love with and married Edith. She covered for him when he had a stroke, and the public didn't really know how serious all of that was. When World War I began and the United States entered into it, uh, Edith decided to set an example for all of the people across the country by having cost-cutting measures. So we could be more frugal, we could share more money for the war effort. So she thought it would be a great idea she knew somebody that owned 18 sheep. She brought the 18 sheep to the White House so they wouldn't have to pay anybody to mow the lawn. So they got 18 sheep. There were a few problems. The uh, sheep began to multiply. The sheep attracted um, barking dogs from all over Washington. Uh, the sheep uh, nibbled not just the grass, but the bushes and the flowers. There was one alpha male sheep named Old Ike. He would headbutt anybody on the staff who came anywhere near him. The staff in derision began to call Mrs. Wilson Little Bo Peep. <laughs> Little Bo Peep. But the public loved the sheep, and over time, the sheep became very uh, woolly, shall we say, unsightly woolly. And Edith had the brilliant idea that the Department of Agriculture came in, sheared all of the sheep, you could Google it when you get home. There's a ma massive pile of wool there. She divided it among the 48 states. They auctioned off the wool and made $50,000, a lot of money back then, for the Red Cross effort during a world. Even she can be useful. Even you can be useful to God. It doesn't have to be a big heroic thing, but you got to do something. And when we do something, God's reign is manifest. You probably have noticed this, I hope. Our uh, project here is to guide you uh, into ever deeper levels of serving Jesus. So you might start with something like you buy a gift card for the Mary Market. That's well done. That's just hugely important. That really helps us a lot. Relatively easy to do. You do that, or you make a contribution to the church, and that gets you kind of close to Jesus. You know about where John Clarkson is now. You're getting closer. But if you want to creep up a little closer than where John is, you do something else. Maybe you serve at Trinity's table on Thursday. We serve a meal over in the Brook Hill neighborhood, and you get to know some people. You get to know the names of some people. My two favorite guys are there are Robert and Robert, and they're always standing next to each other. And I can never tell them apart, but it doesn't matter because it's Robert and Robert, right? And then something else happens. Like, you're going to go to Jackson Hole, but instead of going to Jackson Hole, you think, I'm actually going to go on one of those mission trips, and you're getting ever closer to Jesus. And then because it's Holy Communion today, we have to talk about meals. Sometimes you find yourself eating with people that are different. There's a woman in our church. This is pretty cool. Years ago, she was tutoring a kid at a school, and she got to know the kid's mother, and the mother was bragging about her cooking, so kind of boldly, our woman said to his mother, gosh, we'd love to come to your house sometime and eat. You're like, you sound like such a great cook. I thought that was great. And the woman said, I'd be too embarrassed for you to see my house. Our member said, I'd eventually like to see your house and eat there, but for now, would you come to my house and cook and we can eat together? She did. 
This reminds me, by the way, of a story I heard the other day. This is amazing. Rosalind Carter died, right? So I have a friend. He and his wife went to church, went to Jimmy Carter's church in Plains, Georgia. And when the service is over, everyone's greeting and speaking. And my friend and his wife, they're, they're kind of about the last people to go. They must have looked pitiful or something. I don't know. Because uh, Carter said to them, uh, do you have lunch plans? And uh, they said, no. And uh, Carter said, uh, would you like to eat with us? This is like such a hard question, right? Like, no, we, we really prefer to go to Wendy's instead of eating with Jimmy and Rosalind Cars. They said, well, go, go, of course. And then Jimmy says, can you cook? <laughs> and he said, yeah. So Carter reaches in his wallet and he pulls out a recipe, Rosalind's lasagna. Can you make this? And they said, um, yes. So they went to the Carter's home made lasagna. How cool is that, right? I tell you this because part of the kingdom of God, how we know that Christ is king, evidence of it becoming manifest is when things like that happen. I mean, now we see children being hauled out of Gaza. I mean, what a broken place, but children are being saved there. It's a sign of the kingdom of God. However, done a thread, that might be people eating together, people it's absolutely an amazing thing. Our uh, building program, it's called Hope is Here. We're building a building, and we talk a lot about what we're doing now is not for us after March 1st when we move in the building. It's for generations that will come after I'm gone, after you're gone, when our children and grandchildren are here, when people we've never met will be here. That's the beauty of it. Our dream for our building will not be that people years from now will say, wow, what a building those guys built. Our dream is that we'll see the life of this church, and they'll say, okay, that's the place where the hungry are fed. That's the place where the untouchables are welcomed. That's the place where the prisoners are set free. Those are the people who are sticking so very close to Jesus that when we watch them, we feel like we see Jesus. Karl Barth, great theologian, wrote this, Christians are people with a definite passion. In no circumstances can Christians be cowards, bored, or boring. That's kind of my sermon for today. I could have just done that and sat down. Christians cannot be cowards. Christians cannot be bored. Christians cannot be boring. Jesus' last sermon. What kind of a king? What kind of a king is he? What kind of a kingdom are we? We're, the, we're that, kind of, that kind of people. It's a lovely thing. Thanks be to God. Let us prepare our hearts for prayer. O oh Lord God, may our hearts be crowded with gratitude as we celebrate with thanksgiving in your house today. We come to your feasting table with great joy and eagerness, for we are truly grateful for you for all that which you have given to us. 
So we pause now and in silent prayer, we each offer to you our gratitude for your many gifts. Lord, in your mercy, O oh God, when we have food, help us to remember the hungry. When we have work, help us to remember the jobless. When we have a home, may we remember those who have no home at all. When we are without pain, help us to remember those who suffer. And remembering, may we be moved with compassion to help those who cry out for what we take for granted. Lord, in your mercy, God of love, help us to see you, to see you where people live on the streets today who suffer from hunger or beg for a meal, where people live lonely lives or feel like strangers in a strange land, where people face rejection for the color of their skin or the language they speak, where people lack enough clothing, shelter, or life's basic resources, where people live without dignity, exposed to every kind of pain and hardship. May your kingdom come and your will be done through our lives. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, as we pray today, we especially remember those who grieve. We remember the family of Tom Murdoch, and we ask that you would comfort them in their time of grief and loss. Remind us, Lord, that you come as one who is broken as well. Lord, in your mercy. Oh God, where people feel pain in body, in mind, or in spirit, may your presence and compassion be known and real. For it is in the sure and certain name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Today in all our worship services, Stephen ministers have served as communion stewards. They've read the gospel lesson. The ministry of Stephen Ministry is a compassionate, caring ministry among us, helping those who are hurting, and it is only possible through your generosity that this ministry exists in the church. So on behalf of our Stephen Ministry community of Myers Park, we thank you for your tithes and your offerings.
bless our gifts so they touch lives in need. May they feed the hungry and clothe the naked and become the roots of justice in the world. For the sake of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Friends, I don't know where you were on Thursday. Our family gathered in Winston-Salem, and for the first time, I was uh, the one to offer the prayer. My father-in-law has always done this. Uh, he died a month ago, so it fell to me. As I prepared for that prayer, and as I thought about what we would do today, it occurred to me, and so we prayed together for those who had nobody to eat with, for those who don't have splendid fare that they have access to. We also prayed uh, a thanksgiving to God that those we have loved and lost, my father-in-law, Rosalind Carter, people you have loved and lost, were indeed mystically with us as they are mystically with us in this place. Such joy. friends. We'll begin with uh, our prayers of consecration. We'll sing uh, the responses. The choir will guide us in doing so. The words to that are on page 17 at the front of your hymnal. After the leaders receive, the ushers will guide you in coming forward. Um, somebody will hand you a piece of bread. You dip it gently into the cup or turn to your seat by way of the outside aisle. You can receive kneeling. Uh, you can also receive, uh, we have these uh, gluten-free and COVID-friendly packets. Uh, that are also available. All are welcome. That's the message. All are welcome at our Lord's table. Jesus wants everybody to come. And we hope that you will come in anticipation and enjoy. I'm checking the clock. 
We're going to run past noon. Sorry, but not sorry. We're in God's house. We're doing something sacred today. If you've got to run, you've got to run. But I hope that uh, we can stay and do this thing together. So, friends, let us join together now in the great Thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, on the night in which he gave himself up for us, the Lord Jesus took bread. After giving you thanks, he broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us boldly pray together as our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come.
And friends, would you join with me now as we pray together the prayer after communion, which you'll find printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore. Mm -hmm.